You're listening to True Stories Told Live. Welcome to Speakeasy, where our tellers get on stage with their whole, authentic, beautifully human selves and speak their experience. No notes, just the memory of a life lived. On our stage, you'll hear humor, hope, embarrassment, disappointment, grief, lust, anger, love, remembrance, the whole brilliant and nuanced spectrum of what it is to live as individuals in community with others. Here at Speakeasy, our incredibly gracious audience holds all of it, sighing together, laughing together, crying together, and cheering our hearts out together. There's a symbiotic thing we've got going here between our tellers and our listeners where each person creates that sacred space that just unflinchingly holds each other's stories, where we bear bits of our souls and bear witness. Join us the first Thursday of every month in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 p.m., where we gather at Wild Goose Creative, nestled in amongst the gallery's newest art exhibit. With a simple theme as inspiration, 10 tellers sign up, brave up, Step up in front of a microphone and get honest. What you're about to hear is one of those stories. So I'll tell a story tonight about... uh, I used to be pretty active in the spoken word poetry community here in Columbus. Um, And it's changed a lot over the years, but uh, at times I'd come up and I'd talk to groups of high school students, middle school students, college students, and at all, like the big question would always be like, so how did you get into this? Like, what happened? And so I'd always tell the, like the, this version of like the three steps it took kind of for me to be where I was in poetry at the time. Um, and so the first step is I always called it when, uh, when I found poetry. And I found poetry when I was... 12 years old, and her name was Caitlin Kirkpatrick. Um, And so, like, this is, like, one of those, like, you're a dude, right? Like, that's kind of that moment, right? So, not like I sent, like, an unsolicited dick pic to Caitlin Kirkpatrick in in the seventh grade, but, like, (laughs) uh, one of my friends, like, read a poem up on stage, um, or up on stage, up in front of the class one day, and she was, like, swoon and I was like I can do that shit um and decided it was time to write my own stuff and so I I started writing because of that and then I like accidentally really enjoyed it and so I was like oh I think I might do this all the time now this is great um but of course like at that age like everything that you've read poetry wise is like old English dudes and so everything was like for ye upon and I'm just like that's not what I'm trying to write anymore uh, at this point in my life but like it really did inspire me to like I always had a notebook and I always had a pencil and I was always I was always writing something somewhere and that was like that kind of followed me through high school at that point um well after Caitlin and I were never that never happened it was never a thing she was never like oh my god his poetry it was more like who? Uh, but uh, it was fine. Um, I'm not scarred or anything by it. And so, uh, and then I, I always describe the second one as poetry found me when I was a senior in high school. Um, my mom got really upset that I said that Ohio State was at the top of my list of places to go. Not because she hated Ohio State. We were just in Virginia and she thought I wanted to go to William and Mary 45 minutes away. And she was like, you're leaving me? How 
fucking dare you. I gave birth to you. And I'm like, but I'm going to... Okay, and so uh, when, when she found this out, she immediately, like, two weekends later, somehow, I was on some sort of, like, diversity recruitment trip to William and Mary for the weekend, where, like, stayed over, and, like, I've never, I've never understood, like, the whole recruiting thing, and I think at the time, I didn't even realize that was what was happening. I thought I was just, like, on a weekend tour, but then, like, we were paired with, like, athletes who were there, and they were, like, they took us to, like, a frat party, and, like, all of us seemed to be at this one frat party at women. I was like, oh, y'all coming for us. I was like, this is cool. All right, great, whatever. But at that uh, event, they had, uh, they had spoken word artists who had been on like the HBO Def Jam poetry and I'd never really watched it or seen it, but I, I was like mesmerized by the cadence and, and the way they were just kind of using their bodies to keep going and, and reading these poems rather than this like very stuffy, academic version of reading a poem and I was like that's it that's the one and so um, I started pretending like I knew how to rhyme and uh, and knew how to have any kind of rhythm whatsoever I did a lot of this um, and I, I started writing in, in this like format I guess and found a coffee shop right around the corner from my house it was called Java Junction and they had an open mic poetry show on Wednesday nights and I was like I'm going and I went, and I was immediately addicted to a microphone, hence why even at the age of 34, I'm right here on a microphone at all times. Uh, as we decided, the name of my autobiography is Where's My Mic? Um, so uh, I got up on stage for the first time. I was, I was 16 years old, and I just absolutely loved it. I loved sharing. Now it wasn't just in a notebook anymore, right? Like there was there were stakes involved. Um, and some of it, you know, you, you get caught up in trying to write so that other people like it. And sometimes you're able to write just for you and you read something and you're like, this is great. Like, this is what, this is what I was aiming for. I wanted to share this thing uh, that was coming, that was just inside of me. And uh, as a result, when I came to uh, Ohio State, clearly the Women and Mary diversity trip didn't work. Um, I came to Ohio State, the first thing I did was look up, hey, what are the open mic poetry spots? And so I ended up going to one. It was, at the time, it was called Black Pearl Poetry. It was Tuesday nights downtown at the Brownstone. I, does anybody remember the Brownstone? I was about to say, yeah, there we go. I was like, that, it has been a very long time since the Brownstone was around, but we were in the basement. It felt super underground. There were mirrors everywhere. I was like, this is cool. And they, it was like a fancy restaurant that had like fried chicken baskets. And I was like, this is it. This is, this is the peak of living, y'all. Um, but I, I learned about the whole national poetry slam scene and everything that you could do and, and, and that there were like others <laughs> doing this and, and, and traveling and and so I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is, this is poetry finding me. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. And then the third step for me was where my unexpected kindness came from. And it was, it was when I decided I wanted to actually be good at what I was doing. I think there's a beautiful thing about poetry and storytelling in that, like, even when you're not good at the, the technical parts of, of being up on a stage and, and sharing. There's a baseline of you got up here and you're sharing a truth and everybody in the audience can attach themselves to that. Whereas like, if you go to like a comedy show and someone isn't funny, 
that shit's awkward, <laughs> right? Like if they, if they think they're funny, they came up there, they're like, look at me. I got something to say. And you're like, mm, I really wish I didn't have to look at you. Side note, I went, to a, I went to a comedy show once. It was an open mic comedy show. And then I accidentally stayed a little too long and I was the last person in the bar. And there were like three people left on the comedy open mic. You can't leave, right? <laughs> like all the other comics were like, uh, they had like a little spot where they all chilled out. So like they're not even, I'm like, if y'all should like come out and support each other by sitting out here. And I'm the only one. And this guy was like, I'm looking at you, fam these jokes, and I'm just like, dude, I'm trying for you, but like, someone needs to buy me a drink immediately. Because <laughs> I'm not letting y'all do this to an empty bar, but also, why is it just me? Um, but I, I, I do think that there is something um, awesome about spaces like this, spaces in poetry, where you're really just sharing, and sometimes that can be the goal, and you, you reach that goal every time you come up here and do it. So like, there's nothing to be afraid of. You don't need to be quote unquote good at it to be doing something that's meaningful. Um, but sometimes if you wanna go further in something, if you wanna do something more with it, you have to make a decision like, all right, well now I gotta learn the technical parts of this. And so I was constantly going to the shows. I was competing in the, in the slam competitions and I was doing well and people really enjoyed it, but I was never like breaking through to like make the national slam team coming out of Columbus. I was always like this close and never getting there. And one day my um, now friend and uh, at the time started to become my mentor, uh, Will, who was running the show, he was like, hey, Barb and I are gonna be going to my house this weekend. We're gonna do writing workshop do you want to join? And I was like, hell yes, let's do this. This is great. What, a, what an unexpected moment of like, I've been invited into the in-group of like people who are good at this and maybe I can learn something. And I get there and they haven't brought notebooks or paper and I'm just got all the notebooks and paper. And they were like, oh yeah, we're workshopping you today. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and basically they were saying the same thing. They're like, listen, you're a house favorite, people really enjoy you, but you're not breaking through, and here are the reasons why. And it was an unexpected, honest, it was unexpected honesty, right? Like, sometimes we're so afraid to tell each other the truth about something when it can be really liberating, um, and finding a way to, to tell you, hey, this isn't working, let's help you figure out how to make it work. Um, and they told me to stop doing this. <laughs> and I was like, but I'm cool, and they're like, Stop doing that. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, all of my poems were like 900 words and I was reading them in three minutes. Um, that doesn't work. Uh, you talk way too fast for anybody to understand what you're saying. Like, you, not everybody can be Twista, you know? Like, that's not how it works. Um, but they just, they spent a couple of hours just helping me cut poems and, and teaching me how to use my hands as, as, an, as a tool rather than this whatever the fuck I thought I was doing. I was trying, I was thinking, I thought I was a rapper. That's what I thought I was doing. And that was a mistake and just cool growth, y'all. It's important. Um, but that was the moment where like I, that year I made a, a national slam team and I, I started, I got to go and I got to experience all of these other stories and all these other poets. And I grew more in that year writing than I think I ever would moving forward because I was just exposed to something so new and it was all because some people came out and just 
the unexpected kindness was just a little bit of honesty and a little bit of, hey, I can see that this person wants this and we see potential. Let's see what we can cultivate. Um, and so that was, that's, it's changed my life. I wouldn't be anything like the person I am now. I'd probably still be like way more of a dude misogynistically uh, if I hadn't actually had to hear these stories and go to these spaces and actually experience other people's words um, in a way that was, you know, mind opening and blowing and everything. So yeah, thank you all so much. Yeah.